Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast, we are going to talk about your reactions to the Loki finale. I love this finale, and I can't wait to hear what all you guys think. All that, right for this. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Ashley Coffin. Ashley, what is happening, Hello. my friend? What's up, Matt? You know, it's been a lot of weekend. It's just a lot of conversations, <laughs> a lot of talking. It's just been, a, you know, it's been a past couple of fun days. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I, it's so funny to call it the day job, but like my other job, uh, being musician, like it's only on the weekend. So I always, whenever we sit down to this on Monday, this feels like the beginning of my weekend, weirdly, because like, yeah. I only work a couple hours today, but this weekend I worked like eight hours every day doing <laughs> like setting up for weddings and playing weddings and stuff. So uh, I, I feel like I have the, not had a break yet. Oh, I feel you. It's been busy. Yes. Yes, indeed. That's why I'm always excited for the holidays because it's forced time off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> me too. Me too. I don't love that Christmas is on a Monday this year. That's not fun. Because that's like my day off. So I'm used to the last like, I don't know, four years or something. It's been like Friday, have off Saturday, Saturday, have off Sunday. I like to have the day after Christmas off and yeah. Thanksgiving. And uh, yeah, now I'm like, cool. Nope. Cool. Right back to, right back to work. Ugh. Not that's, that, that's no, I'm going to take off. I'm going to take off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do it. Do it. I guess we won't do an episode on Monday. We'll have to do one Sunday. <laughs> yeah, probably probably not on Christmas Day. Christmas Day. We'll bank one at some point between now and then. Have you had any more thoughts about the Loki finale? Lots. Lots. Yeah. Did you watch his interview on uh, Jimmy Kimmel? Not Jimmy Kimmel. I wish it was no. Jimmy, on Jimmy Fallon. No. Yeah. No, no, I, I mean, it sounds pretty final to me. I think this is uh, until, unless Tom Hiddleston wants to come back and do more, I think that's about it for him. And it makes wow. me very sad. Yeah. I mean, like, I think it's a beautiful exit. It, to me, it's an yeah. exit akin to what we saw with Tony or, or Cap, you know? Like, they mm -hmm. feel really final. Well, Tony more than Cap, obviously. <laughs> but uh, I, I do hope to see him again. Same way I do, I do Tony, I guess. Like, I, I do feel like mm -hmm. this is maybe one of the best character endings we've gotten for any character in the MCU, like Tony and this, like this is that's about, and like you know Nat and Cap, I still have are right there with, with them. The Nat stuff, but that's yeah, yeah, I do too. It sucks that she's not there for the final battle. It, it'll never, I will never forgive them, especially when you yeah. went back and got another Gamora. Get out of my face! <laughs> get out of my face! <laughs> that's true, but that's neither here. Nor. We'll get when we get to our rewatch. <laughs> yeah, it's like the the canon nerd in me wants to say like, yeah, but that's because the soul stone won't let you bargain. And then I'm like, wait, no, that's same just, person. <laughs> yeah, same 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 thing. Um, they also grabbed a Gamora from a different timeline that also was killed in this universe. Um, but it wouldn't have been our if they did the same thing they did with Gamora. It wouldn't have been our Nat. You know, it would have been like some yeah. offshoot Nat. They so like, but like yeah. they could have just gone back to right before they jumped through the thing Nat and been like. You need to come with me because you're about yeah, to die, girl. <laughs> that's true, but it would have like doomed that universe. Yeah, I, don't I know. know. I don't it's, know. It's, it doesn't it's make tricky. any sense. The, the, but what I was gonna say, they they couldn't because of the Soul Stone. They're like, oh yeah, but they wrote it that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. that's a real life rule. It's just, but that's how my <laughs> mind works. My mind goes, oh no, it's fine. It's justified in the story. And then I'm like, no, but they chose that story. They, they you did it. You did this. Uh, was it Marcus and McFeely, right? They wrote it. Oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> 
I, I, I've, I hadn't gotten to even rewatch the entirety of this Loki episode. We had a crazy weekend. Um, but I did watch a few of the scenes and I just really, really love um, those conversations and how they lead to who Loki becomes. And, and the, 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 the one moment I noticed on a rewatch and uh, in relation to his final line is uh, when she asks him like, uh, see, this isn't. Uh, Sylvie says this isn't the sacred timeline. There's nothing sacred about it. This is just a timeline. There's tons of death and destruction, and I've seen the sacred timeline, and it's it's terrible. <laughs> There's lots of terrible things, and you would take away all of free will just to hold on to that. Is that the kind of god you want to be? <laughs> Which is such a great line because it like parallels exactly his answer at the end when he says, "I know what kind of god I want to be." Yeah, uh, for all of you, and then he goes and is this sacrificial, sacrificial god that allows himself to, um, like keep the timeline running. It's really, really great. It's like showing Sylvie's effect on him, and he chooses to uh, be kind of like the god of free will in a way, you know. Yeah. Which we were talking about is the complete opposite of his goal in the first Avengers because he wanted to take away freedom. That was his, Yes, I've come to free you from freedom. And you're like, wait, what? Oh, wait. But now it all makes sense. It's pretty, and that is that Loki, so. You brought up that point uh, before we started recording, and I think that is such a cool point that like, (laughs) the yeah, he is the god of free will, but that's like been his entire like the what an arc, what a freaking arc! Yeah, I mean, it's like Tony it, again. Like I have to say it. Like this is this is the best character ending since Tony, and maybe the best. Like it's it's right there with Tony's uh, ending, and it, yeah, it, it like the through line of Tony is like I'm. He's the selfish guy. Like he has all these powers. He's trying to do good things, whatever. But he's also just selfish, and he's just like selfish hedonist, whatever. And by the end, he is the man who will lay down. On the wire, you know? Yeah. Um, at the beginning, he says he'd cut the wire. And then in the end, he's he is the man who lays down his life for everybody else. And, and it, it also has these, like, characters that have that effect on him. You know, he has more that he cares about at the end. At the beginning, he's kind of this just, you know, playboy. He cares about himself. He cares about his, 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 his image and his company and all this stuff. But, like, in the end, he cares about his daughter and his wife. Yeah. And, like, he, he dies for them. And similarly, like, Loki has this character, Sylvie, who has, like, pushed him so hard against the idea that, like, taking people's freedom is the right thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's not about being on the throne. It's about creating a world where everyone can have what they want or everyone can pursue what they want, at least. Oh, so good. Yeah, for <laughs> now. I mean, what happens when the Kangs come? What happens if only the sacred timeline is what's being forced? Like, I don't know. We'll see. I feel like we... What do you we mean would what, have to see Loki again. I don't know. It depends. Like, say that Kang and the multiverse war or whatever's about to happen comes into play and they're like, no, I only want one timeline, my sacred timeline. You think they would come to try to stop Loki or something? Yeah, it's interesting because that whole scene, and they don't really hit on this in this episode as much, but like, there's the whole reincarnation baby line. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, where he talks about how he's coming back. And this whole season, we've been learning like how he who remains returns. And that is by the failsafe of the loom. Like the, he prevents 
the, the the loom is there to prevent the multiversal war from happening. So like if she stabs him or if they kill him, uh, then it still creates the sacred timeline, which creates a, that version of he who remains. And he's still always the winner of the multiversal war. But the way I would interpret this, he did like Loki finally did find a way to like break the cycle. Now it may be that a version of Kang will still end up sitting on a throne at the end of time again, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem to be that this, these actions that he took were inside of, I, I don't think that this timeline was paved by he who remains. Right. I don't think. <laughs> I don't know though. Could be. He likes to take credit for everything. So. He's he an unreliable narrator. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. But man, I loved seeing him again. We had been saying that that was what we wanted from the whole series, pretty much, was to see that version of Kang. Yeah. Again, the he who remains Kang. And they sure didn't disappoint. No, not at all. <laughs> like, there's so many great moments in there. Uh, when he When he freezes time. And like, I love when Loki gets the better of him. Yeah. He, he stops time and says... What makes you think that this is the first time we've had this conversation? Yeah, ooh, in your face. <laughs> ooh. And then, and then he remains goes, ooh, licks his finger. <laughs> you are my favorite. When there were two of you, you were my favorite. <laughs> so good. I did also like the misdirect of them solving it. They did that. I feel like once or twice, like they solved the problem and then the problem happened anyway. Mm-hmm. When, you know, timely went out and he made it back and everything was good. And you're like, yay, they did it. And then they're like, oh, they didn't do it. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that in our episode about the, the beginning. But one thing that I'm really finding is so beautiful about this show is the balance of like the serious weighty decisions mixed with this just fun element of the show, you know? And I think that um, a big part of the fun of this episode was that just time loop section when, mm-hmm. when they just keep having the loom explode and like Loki knows all like, it, it's just so fun. And so like when he's like, don't put the thing down. Don't, when I tell you, don't put the thing down. Like it's just so good. They had him next to the skin outline too. Cause I know a lot of people were like, well, I didn't see skin written anywhere where Lo- Owen Wilson had, Roten skin in the mm-hmm. in the dust. There was one specific scene where Loki was next to it, like with his arm down, and you could see it clearly on the thing. I'm like, oh, they're listening. They saw what everyone was Weird. mad about when it and put it back in there. Huh? Yeah, but yeah. I, mean, I never did go and track that to see. You'll when see it, it was. now that I let you know. Like it's in one right. of the Edge of Tomorrow scenes where it all just keeps happening. I need to go back and rewatch the episode where people are complaining about it and see if it's really a problem. But knowing knowing Disney, if it really was a problem, they'll like put it back in digitally. <laughs> Well, I think it was when people weren't sure whether Loki was in the future or in the past. Because remember, I think it was episode four where he's alone, yeah. and mm, it wasn't yeah. there. Yeah, I, I, I like I said, I don't. It's also it's also jumbled. Um, this show is particularly hard to remember because it's so non-sequential, which is my favorite shit. <laughs> <laughs> Love non non-sequential storytelling. It just like reminds me there was this one episode of Supernatural that did this and it did it over and over again and every time Dean woke up it was uh they played the heat of the moment. Mm. It was the heat of the moment and they did it so many times 
that like it was to the end of the episode, I was like, I can't watch this one more time. You would probably absolutely love it. <laughs> but every time he thought he solved it, he would just wake up and it would be that song over and mm-hmm. over and over again. And I'm like, but in the end, it was like very enjoyable. Right. Because it is funny when the characters just start doing crazy shit because they know that, you know, like, oh, this is already messed up. So mm-hmm. I, lo- <laughs> I'm I love kill that. my brother. <laughs> well, it's, also, it's Groundhog Day. You know, that's that's yeah. like the classic one. And uh and there's there's other examples too. There's a great Star Trek episode that does this, where the only one that can remember is Data, and the ship just keeps exploding, and they keep oh, going no. back, and Data has to try to keep getting themselves out of the loop. Um, it's great. I love it. Okay, so we really do need to get to our our feedback. We have so much of it, so freaking much of it. Uh, we had uh, completely finished the feedback. We had down to like maybe one page of stuff that was not related <laughs> to Loki left in our document. And after this week, we have th- a thirty page document of feedback from a Thursday to yes. today. So only like five days. <laughs> yeah. So we're excited because there's tons of feedback. But uh, bear with us; it's going to take us a few weeks to get through it. Um, but there's lots of fun things to talk about. So nothing bad about that. I'm excited. But first, let's tell the people about Miracle Made. Ugh, Miracle Made. So these are amazing bed sheets. I have always had a problem with night sweats. I am mm. a sweater. It, you know, my bothers my husband. It's a thing. It's a thing. I, I don't know what causes it, but anyway, it's a thing. Um, I got Miracle Brand, and that is one thing that they said that their sheets were good for is night sweats. And I will tell you, I have had sweat-free nights, and it is amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, you said you've tried other solutions and other types of sheets, and yeah. they did not do what you wanted, right? Expensive linen sheets. We, we've tried it all, and it, it, nothing's really done it. And these sheets have been uh, amazing so far, and they're very soft. Uh, I'm very, very picky about my bed sheets. We have had conversations about thread count. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am serious, and I let all my friends know if you, you know, you have to have over a certain thread count. I'm very serious about my bed sheets. So I was a little like, let's see, let's see what this is all about. And yeah, I mean, it is really worth the hype. That's awesome. I am more of a like, just throw something on me and I sleep guy. So I'm glad that you had this like very great experience with these because they are <laughs> like, they're like scientifically engineered, inspired by NASA sheets. NASA sheets. <laughs> your temperature at night can be one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality. If you wake up too cold or too hot, um, we can highly recommend you check out Miracle Made's bed sheets. They're inspired by NASA. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics. They're just really really great for temperature regulation uh, but also feel wonderful and the silver infused nature of them uh, prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth <laughs> so that's awesome it's very important as someone who's in the cosmetology world um, I always use a silk pillow which mm. is very important for your hair and for breakouts and for clogging your pores and acne. So having an, and everybody knows that your face isn't the only place that you have pores and acne. So having bed sheets that kind of help with your whole body the same way that like a silk pillow would is amazing. Yeah, that is so true, and I am I'm excited about the like kind of long term effects of this. It says uh, you, your bed sheets can stay uh, less odorous up to three times longer because of that antibacterial nature of the the silver. So that's super cool. And you know what? I really do like it, this. Isn't the ad copy like that? They're a good gift, but I feel yeah. like for someone, especially for someone like you who like has you know 
like a temperature regulation sleep problem. This is so freaking cool. And the idea like for a gift for the holidays. So um, you can get these for you, your family, your friends. And if you use our promo code, they come with three free towels. So, what? you know, more free stuff, yeah, two gifts right. in one. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, so go to try miracle.com slash MCU to try it today or gift to someone special this holiday season. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Save up to 40%. And if you use our promo code MCU at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Uh, can I do it myself again? And just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, we got to get a bunch of, we got to get a bunch, a bunch of, of sets I of love these, for sure. <laughs> and I'm impressed by their bedding. I would love to see their towels. <laughs> for sure. Um, so Miracle is so confident in their product, it's back to the 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. And I mean, like, this is, it really is one of those kinds of gifts that you can, like, get for multiple people. There's just these kind of like upgrades to lifestyle that you can get to like five family members and it'll be that year that like, oh, remember that year that uh, <laughs> that, that, that Matt got us all the gift that like we all use those sheets now, you know? like <laughs> And their colors are amazing. I think we all got different colors. I got the terracotta. Mm-hmm. I think Jeff got the charcoal. Yes. And, and I, I got the white, the plain white, because uh, my, my partner feels bougie when there's just like real plain white Oh, it's sheets, like that you know? hotel living style. Yeah, okay. it really does. It feels like getting up under them when they're all tight pulled to me. It feels very much like a fancy <laughs> Turn down hotel. service. Come tuck me in. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash MCU and use code MCU to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash MCU to treat yourself, a friend or loved one this holiday season. Okay, now we turn back to the God of Mischief. God of Stories, whatever. He who remains hot. <laughs> well, Caitlin Kelly, one of our patrons, there's so many patrons, guys, like, thank you to all the patrons, and like, we always try to do your feedback first, there's like, there were like 18 Patreon messages, uh, oh. so we're gonna, we're this week will likely be Patreon feedback, and then if we get through with it, we'll, next week will be more, uh, more feedback, so... Yep. Uh, all right. Caitlin Kelly, one of our patrons, says, Hello to my favorite pandas. Very long-time listener, but first time writing in. The finale of Locally blew my friggin' mind. I watched it alone and just have to share my thoughts with those who understand the beauty and significance of this moment. I loved every second. What an absolutely perfect character arc. I hope this is a pivotal moment in the MCU of getting back to the type of content all of us fans love to watch. Here's one of my final thoughts. Do we now think the time stone is green because of Loki? Ooh. (laughs) If they didn't plan that all along, it's a spectacular coincidence. Love you guys for all time. Always, Caitlin. Hmm. Huh. I love that. I want to say yes, but it's probably, I don't, I think in the comics it was always green. I can't remember if that was the one that was always green. I think you're right. I know they, I know they swapped two of them for the movies. Um, I doubt it was always the plan, even if they did, even if that's one of the ones they swapped, but like, yeah, it's really fun. It's a really fun theory. Like, yeah. 
super good because he's like managing the flow of time. Yeah. No, that one was always green. Okay. Yeah. There's one of them they swapped. I want to say the soul stone used to be purple or something. It's orange in the movie or something like that. Nope. Actually, in the comics, the orange time gem manipulates time. Ah. Can amplify and reverse aging and allow the users to travel into or change the past or future. Okay, so they did change it to green for the MCU. Yeah. So that supports Caitlin's theory. I like it. <laughs> there you go. Speaking of the other thing Caitlin mentioned, the um, getting back to the kinds of storytelling. I-, I meant to mention this up top because like, after thinking a lot on it, the Marvels and Loki and the combination of those two coming out the same day, like... There's been much consternation about is Marvel like on the down decline? Is it over? Blah blah blah. After that day, like I feel like they have righted the ship in in a, like mm-hmm. a big way. Like I don't know if they've righted the ship like in their popularity or like they're back to the on top of the mountain. But like as long as they keep telling good stories, they will remain on top of the mountain. Like I, th- I really well, do it's, believe that. It's really interesting to see the juxtaposition between this and what happened with mm-hmm. the Marvels. Cause I like the Marvels, but I know that people all, the only thing I'm seeing now is Marvel is dead. You know, every, all, every high line is Marvel failed. I mean, technically the Marvels bombed. It only made $47 million. Yes. yes. So two really? properties came out. What, 47 and worldwide, I think it's only like 110 million. And that movie was almost three hundred million to make. Oof, that's terrible. You know, now it's the lowest mm-hmm. um, coming out of one of the highest, most expensive movies in Marvel right. to make. Because I think the least expensive Marvel movie to make was Ant Man, the first mm-hmm. one, and that was only one hundred and thirty million uh, to make. So that made its money back, you know, once over. But forty-seven million for an opening weekend of a Marvel movie is—that's yeah. unheard of. It is. I think they hurt themselves with putting Loki at the same time. You know, mm, I think that's true. But if if that's the reason, then we'll have a great second weekend. You know what I mean? That's like, what I'm hoping happens. Yeah, there might be a great second weekend. I think there's also a lot of other issues, and we we talk about a lot of multiverse news because like. It's not just the Marvels. It's not just Marvel in general. It's all movies are down, with the exception right. of a few, like Barbie. The Barbs and the Oppenheimers. Yeah. Barbenheimer was like this weird confluence of things. And that's what's so funny is for a decade now, everyone's been chasing Marvel because they're on the top of the box office. But now everyone's kind of chasing Barbenheimer. Like, how do you recreate this thing? Like, yeah. Just, you got to. Just keep making good stuff. That's all it is. Making good stuff. And my point is not that Marvel's, like I said, I don't think they're back on top of the heap yet, but I do think that like both of those properties for fans accomplished what they needed to do in a way that like, I think the fans of Marvel are probably like myself are back in more than they were after Secret Invasion. You know, Secret Invasion like really pissed a lot of people off, but in one day they had one of the greatest like endings, greatest episodes of television they've ever put out. And they had a Marvel movie that, like, Captain Marvel is a beloved character in many ways, but, like, isn't one of their flagships previously. But I think that movie, like, was really appealing and pleasing to all kinds of fans of Marvel. Like, it's really, really good and really fun. I was thinking about it while I was watching it. Like, this is one of the, this is a top-tier Marvel movie. Like, it really is. Like, it's really well done. It's well written. Like, there's a few that, like, are just really hard to beat. But, like, there's a lot of Marvel movies that kind of, like, hang out in that middle area. And they're still really good movies, but they're not, like, the top five or six that you think about. Exactly. Um, and so I think that I think that the Marvels really did what it needed to do. So what I'm hoping is that if they can bring the storytelling back to Marvel like they need to, 
um, that the audience will just come back, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just, I just think they're back. I, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> Up next, Billy, one of our patrons. I almost said Billy patron as if it was his name. Cause I have, that's how I have written on the thing. <laughs> uh, Billy, one of our patrons says, Hey jam. Well, hello. Oh my God. The Loki finale. I am screaming when he was walking down the bridge and his cape grew and when the horns slowly appeared, my little Loki Stan heart exploded. (laughs) It was a phenomenal ending. The shots of him sitting in the throne with the vines of the timeline twinkling uh, on his face was so beautiful. All the people who said Marvel fell off look so dumb right now. Just joking. Uh, ha ha. But not, no, seriously. <laughs> this whole season was such a terrific entry in the MCU. I'm with Matt. Now the Loki series is my favorite piece of Marvel content. Everything about it is just perfect. And listening to all your theories and speculations made it even better. So thanks for doing the good work in the Pandaverse. I love you all 3000, Billy. Yeah, thanks, Billy. Uh, <laughs> I'm really glad to hear that Billy thinks our content enhanced it. One of the things um, we've talked a lot about, and not so much on MCU cast, because we throw a lot of spaghetti at the wall, and I feel like a lot of times our spaghetti is like, you know, pretty close or whatever. But sometimes, especially on Star Trek universe, um, when we talk about the Star Trek stuff, sometimes I think our theorizing gets in the way of the show being good for us, because sometimes like yeah. we get to our theories that are like, Oh my gosh, they could do this or this. And Star Trek's kind of particularly like built for this because there's such an expansive universe that you can just be like, oh, what if they brought in this character? And then you fall in love with that theory and you keep like seeing things that like fit your th- it's like the Mephisto. Like honestly, Star Trek seasons are always like Mephisto. Like every time we're like, oh, this seems like that one episode of Star Trek where they did this. I bet it's a connection to that. And then we start like building whole <laughs> worlds around it. And then by the end of the season, we're like, oh, it didn't have anything to do with that but that would have been much cooler. Um, <laughs> but like, and I think, I think that kind of happened with secret invasion where we had so many theories of where it was going and where it would have made sense to go. And then it failed us. I feel like when that happens, sometimes those the- all that theorizing feels like it holds you in the wrong direction of enjoyment, which right. secret invasions, I think a special case. Cause I think there's like just legitimate problems with it. Yeah. When it shows at it's best though, like all the theorizing in the world can't beat the ending they have planned. And I think that was this show. Like we had right. so many theories about where this was going, even some that sort of like were at the edges of what they did. Mm-hmm. But man, I did not see them going as theatrical as they did. I did not see mm-hmm. him stepping into this sort of like true God form of Loki. Like I just didn't expect it. And it blew me away. And so many theories, but like, it didn't hurt my enjoyment, and I'm glad to hear not Billy's either. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I always had an idea he was going to have to be the one to go out to the loom, but I don't think that I thought that was going to be the end result of yeah. what he would be doing out there. But the whole time, I'm like, you're the god. Get your ass out there. Stop being a baby. Well, he's a god, and also <laughs> we know he doesn't seem to get affected by like whatever temporal radiation or whatever doesn't seem to affect him because every time one of these universes he seemed fine so we just it for us we kept talking about it as this very practical like you don't die when the stuff unravels you need to go yeah, out you there. literally floated away in space i saw you yeah you took centuries <laughs> to figure this out 
And if that had all been all it was, and he'd been like toiling for centuries, and then he realized, oh, I just need to go out there, that was, wouldn't have had nearly the same effect as like he went out there. Like he, it took him centuries. You know, gosh, I'm I'm like I'm talking over my own senses, uh, but <sighs> it took him centuries. You see shows all the time where like people study or like practice to to ascend or whatever. You know, like you have these uh-huh. sort of spiritual. Uh, ideas where you like learn to like uh, get rid of yourself and you ascend to some sort of like transcendental meditation, weird yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And you, know, you ascend to some sort of godhood. It happens on all kinds of sci fi shows all the time. Different aliens do it, different cultures do it, like in the real world. It feels like that's what happened. But on this very like practical nuts and bolts show about time travel, but he like spent centuries learning everything about time travel, but also learning everything about like his own motivations it, it's it's it, it's that conversation they had in the previous episode is like it's not the uh it's not the what or the how it's the why and then he says it's the who but in this episode you have a similar tension where like he keeps trying to figure out how to solve the thing and he keeps doing his like loop over and over and over and it's very fun and funny and and like it just doesn't work. And then the solution is he has to figure out his why or, or and like who he's doing this for. And that's when he knows what he needs to do. And it's mm-hmm. so good, man. So, so good. I love it. <laughs> uh, Dylan Frizzina, uh, one of our patrons says, Hey pandas, what the F did I just watch? Oh, I know a master class of television. Yes. <laughs> it left a lot of questions up in the air, but God damn, the cinematography, direction, writing, acting, everything was on point. 10 of 10, loved it so much. Also, (laughs) did anyone else get Dormammu, I've come to bargain vibes, when Sylvie kept killing Kang? (laughs) Uh, I just thought that was fun. So much more to talk about, but I need to rewatch it all again, and that's what is great about this entire series. Unbelievably rewatchable. Love y'all 3000. Seeing the Marvels this weekend, so can't wait to get into that as well. Yeah, I can't wait to watch this entire series over. Uh, I'll probably do that this week. It's a great point Dylan makes. It's like really, really rewatchable. Like, I'm not much of a rewatcher, but I have rewatched most of this series a couple of times now. And this during the season two, I've been going back and watching season one episodes, Mm -hmm. and it just like, it does. It feels so fresh because it's so dense and it's so. Oh much, yeah, yeah. And like, there's things you forget. Like I absolutely love the episode where Mobius and Loki are going through the uh, disasters, looking for Sylvie, yeah. but they don't know it's Sylvie, and they're in like Pompeii. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "No, he's like, I come from a different world to dominate you." He's like, "See, nobody cares." It's like the Jurassic Park. Dotson, we got Dotson. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, man, I agree. I love that episode. That reminds me, of course, of Lamentus, the next episode. That episode is mm-hmm. freaking amazing. Or is it two episodes later? Because then she goes I back to the, uh, the TVA, TVA and, and then the next puts episode. Puts heads to bed there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm, golly, it's so good. The conversation they have on the train. Yeah. <sighs> I'd loved that Marvel pissed so many people off with one sentence. God, God, I miss those feedbacks of... People sent in angry, how dare Loki say that he's gay? He didn't say he was gay. He said he enjoys everything. 
So that's bisexual. Get your shit straight. But I just was like watching people's heads explode. I loved it. I loved it. Because of course you would be. You're thousands of years old. It's like all vampires. Like every, if you're a vampire and you're alive for nine, you know, 3,000 years, you get bored. You're like, I'm going to try everything. Exactly. <laughs> if I was him, I would have killed Sylvie once just out of frustration and then gone back. Because <laughs> she just kept saying it in his face. So you're going to have to kill me. And then I would have been like, all right, let's start over. God, that was satisfying. <laughs> yeah, you you would absolutely do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shane up next, uh, one of our patrons says, you may have covered it on the initial cast for Loki, but I absolutely love the Marvel Studios intro, which basically started with the shot of Marvel Studios and then went backwards into the scene uh, that show up in the word Marvel. I could be wrong, but it seemed as though it, is a nod to the current plot at the start of the season, hopefully not series finale, being able to rewind. Also, that theme had me so amped. Uh, Take care, and as always, enjoy the show and the hard work you all do. S. Falco. Yeah, uh, that was a really cool intro. Yeah, they they really nailed all of their intros. I still think that the old-timey one was probably my favorite intro uh, Marvel has done of all, all time. I think mm-hmm. the the I can't remember her name. The uh, mu- musician who does the uh, composing, which is just a tragedy that I can't remember her name. But I don't want to say it wrong. Uh, she just was phenomenal throughout all of Loki. I think the theme for Loki is amazing, but the intros were really, really thought out, and and I really loved what they did. This one was so cool with everything just being in reverse. Hmm. It's just like. A show like this, they just put so much thought into it. Every corner of it feels really well developed. Like they didn't just throw anything at the screen and like say so. So often in TV writing, particularly, I feel like people write things and they go, "Well, you know, it, it's close enough. Like it works. It, it, it's functional for what it needs to be, or whatever." We the scene needed to get us from A to B, and it got us there, or whatever. But like they just didn't take any any like shortcuts or breaks. They like made sure everything was well thought out. And so I just, I love it. Natalie Holt. That's her name. Natalie Holt. That's right. All I can think is Nia DaCosta. Nia DaCosta. I was like, I know it's another L or N. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Up next, Alyssa Jane Haynes, one of our patrons says, y'all, my sappy panda heart found that Loki finale so fulfilling. Good gracious. Tony said in his final recording in Endgame, that's the hero gig. Part of the journey is the end. And the creators of this series did a masterful job constructing the end of Loki's hero's journey. It took him finding his people and experiencing their love and acceptance for him to understand that people are worth fighting for. They deserve the right to live and thrive and make their choices. He chose what kind of God he wanted to be. Frigga told her other son, everyone fails at who they're supposed to be. The measure of a person, of a hero, is how well they succeed at being who they are. Loki was supposed to be a villain. He was supposed to be a loser, but he is a hero. He is fulfilling his glorious purpose through an act of total sacrifice. It's heartbreaking and beautiful and powerful. And you know, um, his mama would be proud. 
Off to see the Marvels now. Love you 3000 for all time always. Alyssa Jane Haynes, the sappy panda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a great way of all... Uh, that was beautifully written, Alyssa. You got me choked up, like, reading that. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> It's so good. It really is. Like, so, so we talk about it all the time. Like, what is a villain? What is a hero? What's the line between them? How, what is redemption? Like, all these questions. And just to see it all laid out in, in the character of Loki and to see him travel from one end of the spectrum to the other um, and believably do both. Um, you really like you understand his like petulant little brother attitude in the beginning. You completely understand him, which is why he's such a compelling character. Then it tracks all the way through to the end where he's like a sacrificial god laying I down know. his life. And it just all works. It's all so good. And it is sad though, because it's almost like you think, um, you know, she said that he had the love and respect of all of his friends here, but it's like, did he? Because I mean, him and Sylvie never kind of went back. It was really just Mobius who showed him any kind of respect as a as a person. I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't count B-15 and all of them in there to have the same kind of relationship that he did with, say, Mobius. And you just see Thor trying so hard through movie through movie to get through to him how much he does love him and wants him to be a hero and wants him to be on his team, and it never got through. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it kind of did at the end. It took a lot more than this Loki experienced. And his mom tried to get through to him, and it's mm-hmm. like, it, it took... Mobius pretty much solely because I, I don't see they did not bring him and Sophie back together romantically, which I'm honestly okay with. Yeah, I am too, but it is through her like through the through the like care and love they have for each other in the first season that like brings him around to wanting to do good at all. And so I think that's like a really she's a really important character in his story in the first season. In the second season, she is the one, like we were talking about at the beginning of this episode, like she's the one who lays it out to him. Like what kind of God do you want to be? You know, right. and I, but that, I, think like, I just don't see that that's the same kind of um I don't know. It's I don't think that they had the same kind of relationship that we expected them to have after the first season. Oh no. No, like definitely not. Um and and that's the thing. Like it's the weight of these big things kept them apart, you know? Mm-hmm. And these very differences of opinion, very big differences of opinion kept them apart. But I think in the decision he makes at the end, he knew that part of what he was doing was doing something that would make Sylvie proud. And then in the end, she's standing with Mobius saying, like, you know, it's weird that we're here without Loki. Like, so I think, yeah. like, even though we don't get that final scene where the the final scene, they're kind of like at each other's throats or well, not, at, not at each other's throats. They're, they're, she's saying like, I don't, I'm not giving you the right to kill me. Like I'm not, I'm not okaying that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she is like, they're challenging each other in the final scene um, together. But then after that, I think like she clearly like l- likes the decision he made. Cause he found a way to like, save the universe, which is what he kept saying he believed he needed to do, mm-hmm. and he found a way to give everyone free will. I think it's just really, really great. <laughs> just yeah. really great. And I, you know, like, a love story is a love story, and like, the first season definitely had a taste of that. And I'm glad they pivoted. It doesn't always need yeah. to be a love story. And then it was no. super weird. It was like him being in love with himself in his own weird yeah. little way, which was fine, but I'm glad that they didn't really lay into it. Yes, yeah, same, same. Um, and I, I generally 
always kind of hate it when people, the fate of the multiverse is at stake, but the thing that matters to them is just like this, like, I don't know, it just depends on how it's done. Because sometimes it's beautiful that like their love for one other person makes them do the thing to save the universe or whatever. But I really mm-hmm. hate it when like the stakes are the multiverse or the universe or the world or whatever. And like someone's like, conflicted because their love is pulling them in a different direction. <laughs> Infinity <like>, War. <laughs> <laughs> who, who is, uh, which way, who you Everybody. Everybody. Oh, oh, but oh. Right, mostly right, right. Vision. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was, I, uh, yeah, totally. That, the trade lives concept is basically that on a non-romantic like yeah. thing, but we don't trade lives. Well, even it was romantic with uh, they were like, "Oh, vision and wonder, so right, in love, we can't sure. break these kids up." <laughs> I, I guess it never felt like that to me. It never felt, and I don't know if there's lines in there that are that explicit, but like it never felt to me like that was why they didn't want to do it. They do. They when Cap when they're all talking about it, and Vision is like, "You guys are going to have to destroy it," and Wanda gets upset. It specifically zooms in on Cap's face, looking like really upset that these two people who are in love have to get separated the way that him and Peggy got separated. Okay, I see that interpretation. And like I think it's I think it's in there. It's all part of the idea that you're taking away someone's life. Like who they're with is part of that. But like to me, it just when he says we don't trade lives, it's just like well, that's why Vision throws it in his face. He's like, but you did, right? Like you you did the thing, and I need to do the thing too. Like I, I, I I'm with you. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's less about the romance and more about the um, like the 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 aspect of getting rid of someone's life or whatever like there's more to it i don't it. know i i think i think there is more to it but they wouldn't have leaned so heavily in on their romance if there was that wasn't the main core of it them being in scotland together them saying they're going to run away together them saying let's leave this life right before everything goes bad and yeah. then at the end she has to be the one to kill him when it could have been somebody else to figure it out yeah. you know oh no it, it's definitely like a major theme i just don't know that that's like the motivation for all the other characters is i guess what i'm getting at different interpretations and all well i mean you can look at peter quill you know he could have they could have taken gamora out or they could have not gone to the place you know mm-hmm. way earlier but they didn't they waited until right. it was too late well that's thing he does try at least um yeah when it's, that, too moment, it's too late too <laughs> late so, and, and then his like like Anger, his freak out, yeah, ruined out everything. Is, is and that was all that over love, too. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's in. There's definitely a lot in there. I, I guess I'm thinking about like all the characters who aren't actually involved in those romances and why they're making those decisions. Why they're um, and it's all part of it. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's it's all part of a life, and it's all part of like why in that moment they say we don't trade lives, but like you, we do. Sometimes you got to. You got. You, you got it, there's um, it's a Star Trek thing. <laughs> Of course. Um, there's a thing in Star Trek called the Kobayashi Maru. Cool. And uh, yeah, right. And it, it cool. Like, sounds Is that all, the national bird cool. of New Zealand? <laughs> <laughs> like Kuka or something? Anyway, yeah. Yeah, I know. No, John Oliver's. There's a, they keep going back to it because it's like apparently part of the command. When you're becoming a commander, like part of the track in the, uh, like the, the school to become a captain or whatever is you have to face the Kobayashi Maru and it's Hmm. like a test where they put you in a simulation and the whole idea is there is no winning. Like there's just no way to win it. And it's about having to make the right decisions to do the best you can, even if the 
odds are stacked against you and you have to make some like it's about dealing with defeat and how you deal with it and like and so it kind of reminds it always reminds me of that when i think about not trading lives um because you can't always win everything. Sometimes you have to right. choose how to lose, you know? Yeah. I mean, we had two Infinity Stones. Two. And yeah. nobody made the right choice. Yeah. Way to go, Doctor Strange. That's <laughs> uh, got breezed over. They're like, we have to have the Time Stone to protect reality, douchebag. But then I guess you kind of don't. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? They could have just yeah. done what Tony said and thrown that thing in a, in a garbage disposal. They could have destroyed two Infinity Stones off the bat. Yeah, they definitely could have. They definitely could have stopped Thanos in all kinds of moments. Okay, before we get any further into this podcast, we got a lot more feedback to come, but let's talk about Z-Biotics. You guys have heard us on previous episodes talk about Z-Biotics, but... Uh, we've had a little, we've had a little more time with Zbiotics in our lives. I think the first time we read read a Zbiotics ad, it was like we each had tried it like one time. And uh, see, now I've had enough times with it that I've had it and not had Zbiotics. <laughs> it's a difference. <laughs> it's there's a difference. I've been talking about that a lot with like certain like upgrades to my life. CPAP was one of them. I couldn't sleep well, started using CPAP, and I didn't feel better. And then I don't use it for a night, and I'm like, "Is this how I felt back then? Like, is this how bad it felt?" That's how that's how I had the the experience I had with Zbiotics. Like, I was like, "Okay, I feel normal. I feel normal the next day after having a Zbiotic pre-alcohol drink before I have alcohol. Like, I don't feel as a uh, in a slump as I normally do after a night of drinking. Then, if I forgot them when I went down to do a show in Montgomery, and like it was a Big difference. I was like, oh, is this what I normally felt like after drink, after I drink? So I really can endorse this, uh, the Z Biotic. There's just something about having a pre drinking drink that you drink instead uh-huh. of an after drinking drink, which you drink in the, you know, usually the morning yeah. after. So with Z Biotics, you wake up feeling refreshed and good instead of that crawl to the, to yes. the water or whatever drink you have to put into a water. And some of them are really sweet and, this isn't like that. Like Zbiotics, it's amazing. You take it right before. First of all, I'm into packaging and I love their little glass bottles and it feels like a little ritual and you take a little, you know, a shot and anybody can take a shot of anything. There's this a very pleasant <laughs> but not overpowering taste and it goes right down. And you, I think you mentioned in the last ad read, it's kind of like a potion. It, feel, it feels it, like it you're feels taking like, like you're taking a, a little protection potion, potion <laughs> yeah. from the, from the, like is a D&D like style protection potion. It's a nice little frosted glass it's great <laughs> absolutely the little frosted glass makes it feel very potiony zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic it was invented by phd scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking here's how it works when you drink alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut it's this byproduct not dehydration that's to blame for the rough next day zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down just remember to make zbiotics pre-alcohol your first drink of the night drink responsibly and you'll feel better tomorrow <laughs> and we have the holidays coming up so that's, that's the thing it's like so i feel like me and you you know, you doing uh, legends and libations and yeah, uh, we have one this week which i have saved i've squirreled one away <laughs> so, <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. Scroll the way of Zbiotics for that next L and L. Oh yeah, you guys do a show where part of the stick is you drink before you do the show, and I play music, and it's just a life of people handing me drinks all the time. <laughs> I would say like, I take tips in cash or whiskey, whichever you want to bring to the stage. <laughs> I used to say that. Now I just realized can't that say I'm that anymore. Too old. I'm too old for that. <laughs> But I do. Still, people still do. Well, now with Zbiotic. Now with Zbiotic, I feel <laughs> way, way better after after a night like that. This is the season. To try this stuff because everybody has those nights around the holidays. If you're a drinker at all, this is the season where you're going to have like a weird mm-hmm. Tuesday night where you go to a holiday party and need to feel good the next day for work. Yeah. All the embarrassing things you do at the work party, you're going to be able to talk about perfectly the next morning because you're going to feel great while everybody else <laughs> does not. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Unless that's what you get your office as a gift hand about before your Christmas Ooh, parties. Yeah. That's that's a great idea. If you're an employer and you got a Christmas party, pass out Z Biotics yeah, potions. Yeah, the employer even better in that boss world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Love You'll that. You'll all be in tomorrow. Wait a minute. No. Maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, no no excuses tomorrow when uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, coming up like everybody knows that the day before Thanksgiving is the biggest party night of the year besides because mm. you don't have anything to do. You sleep and dinner's always usually later. So everybody parties the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So, and I have, you know, remembered many a Thanksgiving day not feeling so great. So I couldn't imagine waking up being like, ah, Cinderella waking up. The birds are helping me get dressed and I'm ready to go hang out with the fam. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, this holiday season, give your friends and family or co-workers or employees <laughs> a gift uh, they will actually want and use with Zbiotics. Go to zbiotics.com slash MCU to get 15% off your first order when you use MCU at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with 100% money-back guarantee, so if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash MCU and use code MCU at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Woo! Up next in our Loki feedback, we have Matthew Nace, one of our patrons, says, Hey, Ashley, Matt, and Jeff. By the way, we got an email on Patreon from Tim Castillo, one of our one of our buddies who's been writing in for a long time. Uh, and he said that he believes he did coin jam. We were we were talking. Okay. We asked we asked last week if you did if you did coin it. Let us know because we don't remember who coined it. Tim said he's <laughs> he said he said I humbly say I think I did, but it, I, I don't know if I was the first, but I, I did I did combine them and tell you guys at one time years ago. <laughs> okay, so, good to know. Yeah. So thanks, thanks Tim. Tim. And if anyone wants to fight him for the throne, tell us. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, Matthew Nace, one of our patrons, says, Hello, Ashley, Matt, and Jeff. Uh, first of all, thanks to Ashley hooking me up with the uh, Delisandro's cheese <laughs> cheesesteak recommendation. I finally joined the Patreon. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's 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 our my secondary place in Philly since the other one burned down, which should be opening. John should be reopening this summer, but yeah, Delisandro's is the best. Mm, I Very will have, good. I have to try when I come up there. Um, as for the Loki ending, finally, the home run Marvel was due for. Agreed. Um, it's a game of Avengers, and they finally hit. Sorry. 
<laughs> it's I, doing a Marvel show has broken my reading brain. It's a game of averages, and they finally. I, oh my god! I saw Avengers too. I was like, "Why are you stopping?" I know you look totally confused I, uh, when I stopped. Okay, I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> he says it's a game of averages, and they finally hit it out of the park again. Few things. Do you think that Victor's stuttering was just he who remains time slipping in the same way Loki was all episode? Oh shit, I didn't think about that at all. No, oh my I god, did I didn't think about that. <laughs> I did not either. Um that's interesting. Um that's why he always knew everything after it's something important was said because he who remains had already mastered it. Something you said on the reaction cast was that you didn't think there were new branches. Remember he who remains forged the loom to make time cyclical. Uh, When Loki broke it, he turned it into the tree and you can see the branches all blooming out from the top. Um, so there are new branches. However, this is just means there are Kangs everywhere that will meet in the 31st century that will fight the multiversal war. And then one will tame Eliath, wipe out the TVA agents memories, install the loom and bring us right back where we were again. So was it all pointless? Don't forget, Victor Timely was there uh, when Loki saved everyone. He is already inside the TVA to do the redecorating. <laughs> and remember, he used this he used the for all time always line to Ravona in the flashback episode, which is part of TVA vernacular and not just a romantic line. Essentially, Loki just switched places with He Who Remains, and then He Who Remains will eventually switch places with Loki again. Heading to the Marvels tonight with the 11-year-old, Matt. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, first, uh, I guess, what do you think of the idea that that's, uh, Victor Timely is getting time-slipped into? I think that makes so much sense, and I'm super pissed that I didn't think of it first. <laughs> I, I don't... I don't see it. I don't see it. Like, you don't see I, it? Well, it's, that's it's why he cute. was like going those, duh, 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 duh. you yeah, know, just, he was making fun of him like that. Well, it would be the smart thing to do. Well, I just don't know if he has the ability to. I don't think Victor Timely is the same variant as, I don't think he lives on the same like timeline as, as the He Who Remains. Because the He Who Remains is from the 31st century. He wasn't born in like 1890s Chicago or whatever. So you don't think he can just jump into any of his variants? I mean, maybe, but I, I, I guess I, Loki I don't have any... kind of like, was. No, Loki just jumped around his own timeline. Yeah, but, I mean, he hasn't had time long enough to, to figure out how to use the powers. Yeah. Also, we don't even know that he who remains could time slip. It Wanda seems... Wanda did it. She just used time magic. Slipped? I mean, I don't know what you want to call it, but she was she jumped into a different universe. Oh yeah, body. no, that, that was the uh, whatever it's called, walking something. Yeah, magic or science. I mean, yeah, I'm sure yeah, science Kang, can figure out a different way to do it versus having to use the dark hold. Well, sure, and Kang in comics uses science and magic like kind of interchangeably yeah. because they kind of it's are. It's like Doctor Doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so it's it's totally possible that he could. I forget what they call it. What is it? It's like 
not spirit walking. What is it it's called? Dream walking. Dream walking. Thank you. Um, yeah. No, it, it's it's possible that uh, he could dream walk into someone else or time slip into someone else or whatever. I just don't think there's. I I personally don't think there's evidence of it, but I I like the uh, I like the theory. I just think that Victor Timely is a completely different variant, probably from another timeline that he plucked out and placed in that timeline. I, I, I we've talked about this theory a lot, but like. That's just I, I think it like all lines up with that because otherwise, the entirety of like all of them coming from the 31st century is just kind of wiped away, and his origins are now in 1890 Chicago. It just seems weird. But I wouldn't say origins, but it'd be cool if that power can extend to jumping into any version of yourself, no matter sure. what the uh, thing. That's what a Nexus character can do. Yeah, in the in the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's possible something, it's possible that he has some powers over his variants. It just didn't seem to manifest at all if he did. Cause he, well, didn't. he was playing them. Yeah, it's possible. Like I said, it's possible. And I've been saying all, it's possible that like, that he has a lot of control over Victor, but he doesn't seem to, it just seemed like Victor was there to do his job and he does his job. And it, even like, which in the was end, nothing, it didn't matter. Right. Well, it all taught Loki what he needed to know which therein lies the question like yeah that's a that's a <laughs> that's a really good point actually it didn't do anything did it, it didn't. so okay so that does like why do they do they need to expand the loom at all is that a thing like he talks about it this is kind of a flaw in the whole at least the way I'm thinking about the show so maybe it just means I have something a little wrong, but like the way I had been envisioning it is that this is all part of he remains plan, whether he's time, whether he's dream walking or time slipping or not, it's still part of he remains his plan to do something to bring about the end of like bring about the same ending again. And he even says the loom is the thing that creates the, then why, why is there a Victor timely? In the 18th century. Like, what is his deal? It was a, uh, what is it? What is a, a distraction thing? Oh, that's, a, that's, that's possible. Could be a diversion. A, a diversion, yeah. But maybe it was all just, like, plans to lead Loki. They're like, okay, he's not just going to come do it on his own. So I have to set these little building blocks and take him on this whole long journey for him to just take the role that I initially offered to him at the finale of season one. Yeah, that's, it's possible. It, it kind of it undercuts the ending for Loki, though. I don't like like now that Loki's ending has ended the way it it, it has. I mm-hmm. don't like the idea that this was part of He Remains' plan. Not at all. It would really piss me off. It is what he asked of him, though, from the whole from the beginning. It's not not at all. It's no, he didn't say take over my job and sit here and make sure everything's good to go with the timelines. And that's not what he did? No. He said take over the sacred timeline and keep it a single sacred timeline. Loki said, screw that. I'm giving all free will to everyone. And he opened up all the infinite timelines. Yeah. I don't know. It still feels like he has the same job. I mean, sure. (laughs) It's a deity-like figure sitting outside of time monitoring things. So, like, yes, he did end up with that, like, doing that, but doing the exact opposite job. Now, it's possible that he who remains was, like, 
doing reverse psychology on him. He's like, hey, do this job. And really, he knew all along that he needed a Loki to step in and be Idrisil and like yeah. create the multiverse so that his variant could come back. But that would really undercut the series, I feel like. Yeah. I don't know. Could be. It, to me, it seems like he thwarted Hero because it sounds like he remains his actual plan was the loom more than anything. The loom was the failsafe. Like the whole idea of like, oh, I'll just end up back here. He says that very confidently, but he says it before we knew what the loom was. <laughs> and he's like, if you stab me, I'll just end up back here. And he says it like he, we think he means he's going to go out and fight the multiversal war and win, which is kind of what everyone's still assuming. But mm-hmm. like, what if that's not it? What if you stab me, the loom explodes, and only protects the sacred timeline, and I end up back here because I'm the only Kang? Which is kind of what would have happened if Loki hadn't done what he did. Right. So Now yeah, there's a know. whole bunch of Kangs. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, exactly. So, so it, is, it is still like, Kang gave him a decision, and it seems that he made the decision to set the timeline free by killing Kang, but also got rid of his failsafe, which is what the whole season two was about. So it seems to me like he has destroyed the idea of the sacred timeline and there is no he who remains anymore. Yeah, which is a really good way to write that out and change the whole Avengers Kang dynasty thing. Like, what if they just scrap the whole thing? They might. They very well Mm -hmm. might. I'm like, okay, we had enough Kang. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, I don't think we've had enough Kang. I think in the future they could bring Kang back. They could do all kinds of cool Kang stories in the future. But, like, it could be that just, just, just like, um, I don't know, Red Skull was the bad guy for that one movie. <laughs> and then yeah. we just see him pop up later in, in the, in the, uh, uh, on that planet. Like, th- it could end up, if we look back at, the movies in retrospect, it could be that like Kang was just a villain who popped up for quantum mania. That was his, that was Kang the conqueror. <laughs> and that yeah. was it. And then this version of Kang, he who remains was the Loki villain that was destroyed. And then in the future, we might see other versions of Kang pop up, but like, it doesn't have to be this saga. It doesn't have to be this phase. It could be 10 years from now. They could come in with a totally different actor. They come in with a totally different look, different variants. Like they could do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, totally. So anyway, thank you, Matthew, for the feedback. I I disagree with you, but I but I think all of your theories are valid. I just I, I think this this story is only really that effective if like Loki has actually gotten out of the loop, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, that he actually like gave his life to set free the timeline, you know. Yeah. And it really doesn't have much of an impact past what we like have talked about a lot after season one. You know, season one the impact was it's a single timeline and we've we've opened it up. It's now the multiverse. And and like this season kind of has the same the same ending, but it's just more beautiful for Loki because he gets to make such a cool decision and resist a throne. I mean, resist while getting. I mean, I don't think this is a throne. It's a burden, you know? But they it, I mean, you can't say you're not sitting on a throne. Physically, he is sitting on a throne. He's sitting on a little gold-plated throne, that's for sure. Yeah, that's all he's ever wanted. Yeah. That's like, be careful what you wish for. That's the thing, it's all he ever wanted (laughs) until he knew what it was to have friends and have people care about him. And then that's all he ever wanted. And then... Which he could have always had. And he blew it. (laughs) Yeah, true. 
Okay, up next, Niche, one of our patrons. Hey, Niche, uh, says, All hail King Loki, god of stories and master of the multiverse. One, my heart is breaking at how Loki literally spent centuries trying to save his friends because he didn't want to be alone. But in the end, the only way to save them was for Loki to make the choice to be alone for the rest of time. Poetic, beautiful, and absolutely devastating. Two, in response to Kyle Barwick's feedback uh, in your last uh, f- feedback episode, why does stabbing he who remains mean anything? Uh, the branches start growing off the sacred timeline because Mobius and B-15 issued an order to stop pruning, uh, not because he who remains was stabbed. Uh, it just lines up nicely because he who remains knew Loki would tell Mobius the TVA are all variants. He vi- he knew Sylvie would cut off the head of the timekeepers. He knew Ravona would leave the TVA with Miss Minutes, and he knew those events would lead to Mobius and Hunter B-15 issuing the order to stop all the pruning. Uh, that order was happening at the TVA while Loki and Sylvie were confronting He Who Remains, and the timeline started branching after his knowledge of the future ran out, not when he was stabbed. Um, his plan A was for Loki and Sylvie to return to the TVA as its benevolent rulers, a.k.a. continue pruning all branches off the sacred timeline. That's a good catch. That's a good catch, uh, mm-hmm. Niche. I think you're totally... Uh, onto something there. Um, I like it. Three, the question I am still left with is whether or not Loki's multiverse thwarts He Who Remains plans, or if Loki harnessing the multiverse is still part of He Who Remains' plan. I also love that we may not definitely definitively know one way or the other until the conclusion of the multiverse saga. Sorry for the long feedback, but I did spare you from several more pages of feedback I could have easily written about my personally favorite MCU thing since Endgame. Love you all 3000, and thank you for making so many of my commutes so much more enjoyable. Niche. Thank you, Niche. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate you, man. Yeah. Um, no, I love, I love everything Niche says there. That's great. Um, yeah. How, do you, how are you feeling about this show and where it fits in your, like, pantheon of marvel things oh i mean it's definitely up there it's just because i'm also such a loki fan Mm -hmm. even if it sucked it'd still probably be up there pretty high (laughs) because i could just mute it and watch him flip his hair yeah over his hair but no uh, content wise story wise i mean it's way up there yeah Uh, it's definitely the best of the shows even though like wandavision's always been my favorite show Mm-hmm. But maybe as a whole, because this got a second season, it kind of pushes it up a little bit more. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's hard. Movie-wise, it'd be hard to to put it in with the movies. Yeah, it's always hard to compare. Because, like, a movie is, you know, a higher budget, higher, like, actors are generally, mm-hmm. like, a little better. They get more time to work on every moment. The CGI is generally better. Like, all that stuff, is, it's hard to compare those things, but... TV shows, you get more time, and time is so important to the development of these characters, and so it's always a hard comparison to make. They made this one fun, too, yeah, instead of for just being sure. so serious. For sure. It's something I meant to mention earlier, and I'm not sure that I did. I think I mentioned it, but I kind of glanced off of it. The idea that they like 
and I think the Marvels in this are such a good example of like them being able to have so much fun in these movies while like including some serious content and character development. In Matthew Nace's feedback a few feedbacks ago, um, he had that thing about like the the like the batting averages or whatever. And I think like something we've really kind of forgotten, and I, we keep hearing people say how this is the best thing since Endgame or whatever. And like, I think that's true. Like, I I agree with that. I think this is the best thing since Endgame. But like you said, it's really hard to compare movies because then as soon as I see that, I think about like No Way Home as a movie, and it's just so much, yeah, so much fun. And then there's Multiverse of Madness. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's really hard to compare those things because in many ways I like this more than either of those things, but in other ways, like they are so epic. No way home is so epic. And multiverse of madness is so epic. And the the Sam Raimi of it all, like it it just all hits on so many different levels for me that this doesn't. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's, it's really, really hard to compare those things. Do you think it's better than guardians three? Yeah. For me, Mm. for me, it is. I, I like Guardians 3, but Guardians 3 didn't hit me in the feels the way I wanted it to. I cried the entire time. So that's... I cried. It just shows the differences between us. Well, no, I, I cried a lot, but I cried because of, like, sadness instead of that weird joy cry I got from the other two Guardians. Um, like, I, I cried because it was, like, brutal. Like, that, that movie... Well, I think it's important when you take... What James Gunn did is like taking a real a good hard look at things that are messed up with society now, like animals, you know, testing and experimenting and makeup and stuff like that, and having it be so important to you that you're going to base your entire Disney movie around it. <laughs> you know what sure, I mean? Sure. I think the stuff like that means, I don't know. Pers- no, you know absolutely. It's personal. Art is subjective. It means a lot. And that's just for me, it, I didn't have the same kind of cry that I'm talking about. I cried a lot, but it wasn't like... There's just these moments in the first two Guardians for me that have like this profound, absolute connectivity to my soul and have this joy and sadness. And like, I, from a like, what is good for the world and like from a good, like the movie presenting those issues and like tackling them head on and like really like talking about them and stuff. Like, I think that's awesome. It's amazing and probably and great for society to do those kinds of things in movies. But like, I guess I just don't, I don't nothing in that movie. And there's, there, there were moments I was expecting it and I didn't get it, but I, I love guardians three. I just don't have the same. Yeah. I don't, I don't love it the way I love this. Oh, oh what I was gonna say is Matthew Nace was talking about averages and like the, the average, we keep talking about in game and how best since in game, blah, 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 or what is the best since in game. And I think it's because in game was so good and such a culmination of so many things that it like set this standard. But if you look back at the history of Marvel movies, the, the 23 before in game, there's a lot of like just base runs as it were, you know, like base hits or whatever they call it in baseball. Where it's just like, it kind of, it was good, it was fun, and it got us to the next one. You know what I mean? Like, it built the characters. And, like, a lot of these movies, and I feel that way with the Marvels, like, it's really fun, and it builds those characters out, you know? And then eventually, you get to do something like Endgame, because you've Mm -hmm. had these base hits, you get to hit the home runs, you know? Or the Grand Slams, I guess, in the metaphor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Our last two we have here um, are... Loki feedback and Mar- people that wrote in Loki and the Marvels feedback as one feedback, but I wanted to throw them at the end because in case you haven't seen the Marvels, you can you can uh, stop the podcast now. But uh, these last two do have the Marvels spoilers in them, so key watch out. Spoilers yep, ahead. Spoilers in three, two, one. 
Fear Mjolnir says, hey everyone, I'm back. Haven't wrote in in a while. Uh, I've had a lot going on, but there's just too much not to say after the Loki series and the Marvels. So, I'm literally writing in right after the Marvels, and I gotta say, I wasn't expecting that movie to to really shock me. I actually enjoyed it, and I wasn't a big fan of the first Captain Marvel movie, but this one was definitely one I enjoyed. Kamala, in my opinion, sort of carried the movie along with her family. She is just wonderful, and I can't wait to get uh, more of her. I won't spend too much time on the Marvels, but did anyone notice at the end when they are at the house, she only had one bangle on? Uh, She has both, but she only has one on, which I thought was a little weird. Carol has the other one on that shows it. Oh, Carol does have the other one on? Okay, cool. Finally, on the Marvels, how about the end credit scene? Beast! I love it. Uh, Honestly, thought we would see Storm, but I was so happy to see Beast, and he looked great. I'm so excited for anything Mm X-Men. Yeah. I bet Kelsey Grammer was a lot less expensive than Halle Berry. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I really, like, it's, I really am curious about, like, what that universe is, and whether it, if it is the traditional X-Men universe, like, the first one. Yeah. Is, are, is Kelsey Grammer's Beast going to be there? Is all, are all of those characters going to come back? Are we going to see them all in Deadpool 3? Will Monica Rambeau show up in Deadpool 3 as like... I hope so. You know, all that stuff, man. It's really exciting. And and so I guess Carol's wearing a bangle now. Does that give her more power? Yeah, they both had one. They each had one on. Okay. Interesting. Because I guess it would be safer to not keep them together, and especially since Kamala Khan might not be able to defend them completely on their own. If sure. somebody comes for them, it's better to keep them separated. And better to keep one in the most in the hands of the most powerful hero or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and it's like friendship necklaces, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And they're like, <laughs> they're Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel, and now they have this connection. And it's what quantumly entangled them, so it sort of has this like, maybe there is like a, some sort of quantum connection still. We'll see if that like plays in in the future. It's cool. Um, now the Loki finality. Uh, continuing Fear Mjolnir's feedback. I honestly think this is the best episode Marvel has ever done. The shots in it were beautiful. Loki's transition into his normal Loki look is top-tier transition. Uh, the banter between Loki and He Who Remains is perfect, and can we take a moment to appreciate the mic drop moment of He Who Remains telling Loki to come back after he learns how to stop time after using his little device to do so, and Loki just stopping time at will because he is the device he is the god. That scene had my jaw dropped. Yeah. I oh, so it. I guess he can't time jump himself. Yeah, he uses devices. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's possible his device can do it though. So still, all those all those theories still could could persist. The theory that you disagree with. Yeah, yeah, but I just a, have to throw back. <laughs> just to tell me I'm wrong. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Keep I'm going. telling you're possibly not wrong. There's still a chance. <laughs> I was just trying to agree with you, but that's okay. <laughs> The emotional damage I got from the ending of him telling Sylvie the last thing he wants is a throne, then he realizes that the only uh, was 
the only way to protect the ones he loves is to take the throne and be by himself. Just had me in all the feels. Also, Loki holding all the branches and forming the world tree was stunning. 10 of 10 uh, show, in my opinion, now I have a few questions. I'm sorry this is so long. It's just everything is so epic right now. I agree. Everything is so epic right now. <laughs> Um, our podcast lengths have gotten epic <laughs> lately. <laughs> okay, he's got a few questions here. We'll try to hit him real quick. Uh, one, is this the end of Loki's story? He got his glorious purpose, so where do they go from here? I think mostly this is the end of Loki's story. For now. For yeah. now. I think it's very possible they could revisit him in the center of the world tree later, but I think this is where he's... I think this ends the series for him. I do totally think they could bring back the TVA as a series, though. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, number two, is he now god of stories and writing everyone's story, or is he just a conduit at the end of time to try to maintain freedom for everyone on the timelines? I say the latter. I, I don't think he's writing everybody's story. Yeah, I say the latter. I think the, the way they might interpret that in the, um, like... If they ever try to call him the god of stories or like talk to him that way, um, I think they will probably use that as like a, a he knows all the stories, like he's collected the stories of the all mm -hmm. the multiverses because he understands all. Like if they let's let's talk about Secret Wars and all the incursions are happening and they need to figure out a way to weave the tapestry of all the timelines together to to come together to be one timeline or something mm -hmm. and he needs to be the one to like weave everyone's happiest variant together somehow you know something like that like yeah he's like able to look at all of the stories of the multiverse and weave them together because that's his he's now the god of stories i don't know um i don't know 3a is the tva now the chwra uh contain he who remains authority <laughs> Yes. Uh, it seems like, yeah. I, I think they probably also will deal with things like incursions, or th they'll probably be keeping an eye on the timeline to protect the timeline in general, and w keeping an eye out for he who remains is is, uh, is one of their many functions. Yeah. 3B, if the purpose of the new TVA is to maintain Kang... To <laughs> it's a weird hard to say. Maintain Kang variants will... Got it. Will Marvel use it as a way to bring in a Doctor Doom or another big bad since Kang is under control because of all the Jonathan Majors legal stuff going on? Hmm. Yeah. I feel like we got into that. It's possible. It's I don't possible. want that to be our introduction to Doctor Doom, but if that is what it is, I yeah. would assume they have a plan behind it. I would much rather them try to if they've if they if 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 Jonathan Majors is done, um for for the, these legal reasons, I'd much rather them just recast. Like it's it, the multiverse saga, all the variants. Like just recast it. You yeah, know? yeah. Leave leave Doctor Doom. Like that needs to come with the Fantastic Four. Introduce him first. I think that could be really fun. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, let's have some separation. Show us a real cool Doctor Doom. Like I'd love to see a cool Doctor Doom. Um, Me too. What uh, number four? What is Renslayer's role? I don't think them showing us her was nothing. Side note: What did the sign say that had dust on it? The TVA. 
Or I said for all times, always, right? Yeah, you just saw the always, but I think it was the TVA symbol from the floor uh, that mm-hmm. we see all the time. Um, and what is Renslayer's role? She doesn't die. So, like, I think if if we if there's a future for this show, even if it's not called Loki anymore, if they do a future of this show, they have these amazing sets. They have the TVA. Like, I think it would be smart to continue it. Um, I think Renslayer will continue to be a anti-hero type character. Mm-hmm. Um, number five is Loki able to leave his throne, or is he just stuck there from now on? Love y'all three thousand. I think we're supposed to think he's stuck there. Yeah. He can leave if he wants to, but that might just mean everything throws back into chaos. Yeah, or the the timeline can't survive. I have a feeling he's stuck there till Secret Wars. I do. Like I think yeah. he's stuck there and then when the Secret Wars happens and all the all the incursions happen and the timeline's being destroyed, um I think that his place on that throne will no longer be needed. And he will be like the traveling god of th- god of stories who knows everyone's stories throughout all the multiverse. It'd be really cool. I think that whole yeah. really good. Uh, okay, last one for the for today's podcast. Rachel Titsworth, one of our patrons. Uh, again, this one's about the Marvels and uh, and Loki. Hey guys, what a week of Marvel content! I am an emotional wreck after the Loki finale. Loki has been my favorite MCU character for years now, so the finality of that episode, coupled with Tom Hiddleston's comments in his appearance on Friday's Tonight Show, were Mm -hmm. where he said that the finale was the conclusion to six movies, 12 episodes, and 14 years of his life. Really makes me think we may never see Tom as Loki again. It was a beautiful and satisfying ending for his character arc, but I hope I'm wrong because there's no such thing as enough Tom Hiddleston. More hair flips. Constant hair flips. (laughs) Infinity hair flips. I also thoroughly enjoyed the Marvels. It was a lot of fun and it was an excellent palate cleanser after the emotional damage I experienced from Loki. I really (laughs) enjoyed... I really hope it does a better box office than people have predict been predicting. Oh. Didn't on the first weekend, but always next week. We got another weekend. <laughs> I want to go see it again for sure. Um, maybe I'll get to before we cover it on a uh, Wednesday or Thursday night. That'd be really good. Here's my random thoughts. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. At the end of the Loki finale, you can see him bowing his head under his horns, uh, which dwarf any other version of them in the MCU, visually putting more emphasis on the burden he is bearing. Ooh, very, very, very cool. Mm. Has Loki always been Yggdrasil? Uh, Has the time stone always been green because of Loki? I love that. I love that theory. Yeah, everybody's putting that together. How far do these time loops go in the MCU? Timey, wimey stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You were discussing how at the end, end, Mobius could kill his variant and take his place, uh, which is so funny because it's so not his style. (laughs) I mean, what else are you going to (laughs) do? But it got me thinking, did Brad kill his variant in order to take his place on the sacred timeline? Dark. <laughs> Probably. Brad seems like a murderer. <laughs> Brad absolutely could have done that. I, I think that's very possible. But it's also possible that like Brad as he as we know him wasn't even his original variant. Like it's possible uh that mm. he just like created a time like he joined the timeline in a way that he could like cre- take over that movie and become a movie star. Um 
and it's just like Brad is a completely made up persona. I, I, I don't know. I'm really not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, lastly, one piece of feedback that relates to both Loki and the Marvels, Carol Danvers had to tell Kamala that you save who you can, which was a hard but realistic lesson about the tough decisions you face as a hero. Contrast that with the conversation Loki had with he remains in the finale, uh, where they dis- they were discussing the loom and keeping just the sacred timeline versus allowing all the branches to grow, causing full-scale dis- destruction. You save who you can can be used by either a hero or a villain, depending on the intent. Uh, I thought both Loki and the Marvels were overall really well done, and I hope they mark an upturn in the MCU. Love y'all 3000, Rachel. Rachel, I love that last thought about um, them both being used. And it's, it's what we were talking about earlier in the episode where you don't trade lives, you don't trade lives, you don't trade lives. But you, sometimes you have to trade lives, and sometimes you, you have do. to make those decisions. But if you make those decisions to a certain degree, you become a Thanos. You know what I mean? Like, that's his his whole thing, too. Is like, he's trading lives, he's trading 50% of lives for all the lives to be able to flourish. But, like... yeah. It's it's all this balance of like what is right and wrong, and I love that Marvel's willing to like kind of dance on those lines, and and it's not always clear. Super cool, super cool thoughts, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Well, my friends, it is uh time for us to shuffle off this here podcast, but we will be back very soon with more. Uh, we got lots more feedback about Loki, lots more feedback about the Marvels, and uh, we will keep bringing them to you guys over the next few weeks and uh then we're gonna hop back in and do some more um of our affinity saga rewatch i just want to shout out to everybody who uh threw to uh the gofundme that or what kickstarter or whatever the thing is that jeff started for me after my car exploded uh thanks for all the help it was very very appreciated and i also want to push everyone to go to uh thrive cosmetics because they sent me samples of their new the marvels um kit which is really fun it's three eye brightening colors uh using the power of light as they say it that are based completely around the marvels uh in aurora stella and muna so definitely check that out it has a really cute little bag um that has all three of the characters symbols like meshed together which i thought think looks really really cool I see a bunch of people getting those tattoos, probably. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a huge thank you to um, Thrive Cosmetics for thinking about me and sending me all the free shit. I love free shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, uh, guys, thank you again for hanging out with us. We'll be back real soon uh, to talk more about the, this th- show that I can't stop talking about. Can't wait. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back soon. Peace. Until next time, true believers. Hey, you just listened to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast from Stranded Panda. I really hope you liked it. Let me just say a big thank you to all of our supporters on patreon.com slash mcucast. You are the lifeblood of our little operation here. And a huge, huge thank you to our insanely generous Illuminati tier patrons, Walter Kreisky III, Lieutenant Bongo, and Jazz Viz. You guys are amazing. If you'd like to see our beautiful faces, you can catch a video version of many of our episodes at youtube.com slash strandedpanda. Love you 3000, my friends. <laughs>